0: So We're going to start off this morning with reading not from the book of Jonah. Sorry, I have the wrong thing pulled up here. Uh, We're going to read from Romans. Uh, Funny little story here, not much of a story, but just this week I was preparing and um, I was like, all right, I knew knew what passage I was going to really work from and I roughly knew what I was going to say about it. And then uh, I was like, well, I should really make sure I, I pray about this, you know, yeah. put, put some good some good prayer time into it. And then I felt like the Lord uh, was leading me to a completely different passage. Um, so here we are, Romans 12. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you can head there with us. Um, and if not... That's fine. I don't know if Bavik is going to put it on the screen. I didn't give her the passage ahead of time, so no big deal. Okay, so Romans 12. I'm going to read a bunch again today. I know I do say that every time, and I almost apologize for it, but I'm not going to apologize. So um, Romans 12, what's interesting here, just a bit of context, we're coming out of Romans 11, naturally. Uh, But... What's going on in Romans 11 is Paul has been wrestling on paper <laughs> with with what to make of Israel Paul's an Israelite and um, and a, a lot of the uh, the people of Israel rejected Jesus not all of them by no means all of them right um, Paul being one example but um, but a lot of them did and, and Paul is wrestling with this like, what is this all about what do we what is the deal with Israel? And he's still like saying, you know, that they're gonna come back, and then it's but but then the, the Gentiles are in now and that's a really good thing. And so he's he's kind of wrestling over all of this, and then towards the end, he kind of warns the Gentiles, uh, saying, you know, if if part of the main branch like could get cut off, that's talking about Israel, he's doing this like olive uh, olive tree metaphor. It's like if they could get cut off and you could get grafted in how much more could you also get cut off so he's like it's a warning it's like don't be arrogant about your about your um, your faith about you know your status as christians don't be arrogant about this because you were grafted in and uh, what was there before you some folks were were cut off so you know don't be don't be arrogant but you have to stay faithful stay faithful to god um, and then he just like gets really excited and he just praises God for the miracle of everything he's been doing. So that's chapter eleven. Now chapter twelve, coming right out of that. Therefore, that's why I was giving you chapter eleven. We have a therefore. You always want to know what happens before when there's a therefore, otherwise you're clearly missing something. All right. So, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your rational service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and complete. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And again, I'm not quite sorry, but I'm going to keep reading. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. This is a. I just want to highlight. Often we would stop here at twelve and start again at thirteen. The thought is continuing. So, chapter uh, verse twenty one was: Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those who exist, those which exist, are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to be uh, for you to awaken from sleep for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed the night is almost gone and the day is near therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual promiscuity and wantonness not in strife and jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its desires. So, I have spent the last, I don't know, bunch of weeks talking about love. Eh, All right, that can just fall. All right, uh, talking about love and... um, And more recently, quite specifically, loving our neighbor. And I kid you not, when the Lord led me to this passage, I actually had, I I did not realize (laughs) that that Paul says exactly what Jesus says in Romans 13, that to love your neighbor um, is the fulfillment of the law, that it just sums up the law and the prophets. We were talking a lot about that recently, and then, bam, it's right here again. I didn't plan this, I swear. Oh, I'm not, you're not supposed to swear. Shoot. I wonder if I can edit that out of the recording. <laughs> um, well, anyways. <clears throat> so, yeah. Jumping back to, to chapter 12, verse 2 here. Well, I mean, verse 1 even. Offer your bodies as, uh, or present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God, which is your rational service of worship. Some translations there say spiritual uh, service of worship. I truly don't know why that they say that. Because it's the the root word uh, is logos, which is where we get the word logic. Um, it's about, yeah, it's about rationality. Um, that word does not mean spiritual. So, fun fact. Um the point here is, it's just the only thing that makes sense. Based on everything he's just been saying in chapter 11, about just how, how God has grafted you in through the amazing work of Jesus, nothing else makes sense than to present your, your body, everything you've got, as a living and holy sacrifice. That's just your rational service of worship. What else What else would you do? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and complete, or perfect or mature. Something that is full. It's brought to a fullness, it's complete, it's the whole package. Again, I find it really interesting. I mean, I've said this a few different times here, but this is one of those verses that I think we, we tend to just read out of context. And not that we make up a whole lot of stuff about it, but just, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then we think, okay, don't be the world. Don't be the world. Be transformed. And then we just kind of start to define what that means. But I think that the chapter actually does a certain amount of defining for us. So we could just look at that. Also, uh, this is interesting. There's, um, there's a few different places in the Bible where we end up with a tension, um, specifically regarding the world, right? It's like, we need to love the world because God loved the world, but then we also need to distance ourselves from the world. And that tension does exist in, in the scripture, but here's, here's one little place to help relieve this a little bit. This doesn't actually say world. It says age. It's talking about the, the present time, the way things are right now. The world itself, the cosmos, as uh, is the Greek word, isn't strictly speaking a bad thing. Uh, it's the thing that God came to save. For God so loved the cosmos that He sent His only Son, right? John three sixteen. But this is: Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Stuff is going on at present. That's kind of the idea. Uh, we don't want we don't want to be conformed to that. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove or demonstrate what the will of God is. The good, the acceptable, the complete. And if you were paying attention for key words as we were reading along, that question of the good, it carries on throughout to the end of chapter 13. Submit to the government. They're there for good. If you're doing good, you don't need to worry about it. Doing evil, then you got something to worry about. What's good? Love your neighbor, <laughs> right? Wow, sound familiar? I'm a broken record. But keep it in chapter twelve for a second here, right? So let's not be conformed to this age. So what, is, what does Paul tell us to do instead? Do not think more highly of yourself right? than uh, than you ought, but think. As to have sound judgment. A little bit later, he brings up haughtiness again, right? Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation, right? In chapter 11, I was just saying, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant about your faith in Christ, about what you have been given by God. So that's the way of this age, to think more highly of yourself than you ought. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what does a renewed mind look like? It's humble. Let's be a little bit humble. And then, oh, here's it. Right. So we have many members in one body. That's it's literally talking about your body. You've got different parts, and not every part is the same function, right? But we now talking about the body of Christ are many, and individual members of one uh, one of another, right? So we in Christ again. This is not the way of this age, but this is the way of Christ. We're united. We are one. We are members of each other. We're not just members of this thing that is the body of Christ and we fit in somewhere, but actually if I fit into the body of Christ somewhere and Bavaka fits into the body of Christ somewhere and Eunice fits into the body of Christ somewhere, then we are actually members of each other. I'm a part of you and you are a part of me. Isn't that fun? I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to put up with it. But don't think, don't think more highly of yourself than you want <laughs> um, but yeah right so weird. Yet, so that's not the way of this age right the way of this age is individualism is I'm going to be focused on me and my autonomy my way my self interest my advancement and everyone else they can come along for the ride if they don't get in the way but the renewed mind knows that I am part of you, and you are a part of me. and We are in this thing together because we are the body of Christ. And it recognizes that we're different. And we all are different according to the grace given us. So that's another thing, right? The way of the world, the way of this age, rather, right? Thinks that we're self-made individuals, <laughs> right? I've got what I've got by hard work, my talents, my abilities, this and that, right? What does this say? Well, it's according to the grace given. The gift. The gift that you receive. That's that's the good stuff you got. It's the gift that you've received from God. That's the renewed mind. Knows that, again, this is is all still basically unpacking humility. So, we've got our different gifts. We're going to function in those things according to what has been given us. We're not going to try to to just push ourselves to the... Whatever degree, it's according to what God has given us. We're just going to humbly receive the gift that God has given us and function from it. and We're just going to be all right with that with that fact. You know, maybe, maybe I've got a gift of prophecy and so does Brie. And I love the way Brie prophesies. And I wish I could prophesy like Brie. So I'm going to try to prophesy like Brie. I'm going to think of myself, you know, more highly than I ought to. So I want to, I just want to look like Brie. Well, guess what? According to the proportion of his faith. According to the grace given to us. So, I've got what I've got. Faith, by the way, comes from God. We get that somewhere else. I don't know the reference for that, but that faith is also a grace that we receive from God. So, I'm not going to prophesy like Brie, but good news. Brie is part of me, and I'm part of her. So, I get to rejoice in that. Oh, so why don't we actually jump down to that? Rejoice? Where is that? That's towards the, uh, the end of this chapter. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Well, that's not the way of this age necessarily, right? Sometimes. Sometimes the way of this age people do that. But I mean, this, this is because I am part of you and you are part of me. So, I'm going to rejoice with your joy. I'm not going to be jealous of Brie her great prophesying, wishing that I could do that, I'm going to rejoice. What a good gift. That's grace. That is awesome. That is so great. And, you know, maybe if I'm feeling a little insufficient, I'm sad about that, maybe Brie will weep with me a little. That might be good. Going back up, what else we got? So, service, right? So, uh, so again, this just it goes through the, a list, right? The different, different gifts that we have, and we act in the measure with which we've been, uh, we've been given grace. Um, and then, let's go here, right? Okay, verse, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Okay, so that's not the way of this age. Yeah. The renewed mind has to try to figure out how to love without hypocrisy. Again, I think we're still unpacking humility here. How, do you, how are you going to love without hypocrisy? You're going to be honest, I think. You're just going to be honest about how you've got a hard time, right? how you struggle with certain things. Maybe you have a hard time loving. Maybe that's part of your love. So just let people know that you've got a hard time loving. Don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't, uh, you know, well, yeah, don't do what we often do in church, which is put on the holy uh, kind of persona, and then, you know, say, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, God is good. And I'm just, oh, yeah, the Lord is just speaking so many good things to me lately. And God is just really taking care of me. And, uh, and yeah, I feel great. I feel great. And then I make Jay, when I say that, feel kind of crappy because he's like, man, I am not hearing from the Lord lately. And I, I'm just not in that place. And, I mean, if I were honest about it, that would be okay. I'm just, I would be saying, but, but maybe I'm actually not feeling that great. Maybe I am just pretending that I am in, like, I am just tight with the Lord right now. And that is not loving to Jay. That's just being a hypocrite and putting on the expectation to other people, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to be. This is the relationship with the Lord you need to have. This is where the state of uh, your relationship with the Lord needs to be. That's the message I'm communicating. And that's hypocrisy. And guess what? Your relationship with the Lord, it's a little bit dependent on what you do. That is true. Faithfulness, living out faithfulness, right? Loving your neighbor, that is the, that's the the—that's the summation of some things there, right? Seeking Lord, absolutely. But also, it's a grace. It's a gift. God starts the conversation. God always starts the conversation. If you think you're starting the conversation, you just haven't been listening very well, and that's okay. There's grace for that. Amen. <laughs> um, sorry, let me just find my, my next thing here. Uh, right. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Okay, let's just hold on to that thought. uh, Evil versus versus good. Um, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, right? Again, this is not the way of this age. Devotion. (laughs) This is not think well of each other, right? This is be devoted to each other in brotherly love. Wow. Where do we use... Word devotion. How often? I mean, sometimes in marriage we think about devotion. That might be a word in our vocabulary. Sometimes it's we have a habit of reading our Bible first thing in the morning. We call that devotions. That's pretty weak devotion, if that's your definition, by the way, but that's not, no, not to criticize reading your Bible every day. It's a good thing. But um, devotion, it's bigger. It goes back to your body as a living and holy sacrifice. This whole thing I've got is on the table because I'm devoted, hopefully, <laughs> devotion to each other in brotherly love. And I mean, if you're caught up on the gendered words here, ladies, you're in this too. That's another, you know, I could explain that further another time, but whatever. Just They use masculine words and pronouns a lot of the time, but... This includes this includes the ladies okay devoted to each other in brotherly love i challenge you to think about what it might actually mean to be devoted to another person who's not your spouse and then if you're if you have the courage try to expand that to everybody <laughs> everyone in the church okay not lagging behind in diligence fervent in spirit serving the lord Serving the Lord. Let's hold on to that right along with abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Hold on to those thoughts. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Totally, this is not the way of this age. And again, that's devoted to prayer. We've probably heard um, that verse, pray without ceasing. Try to figure that out. All right? Be devoted to prayer persevering in tribulation, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope implied in your tribulation. Because our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in something that has happened and something that is yet coming. It's not in this present circumstance. It's not in what I can put on my life, my success that I'm planning to achieve. Right, That's the way of this age. But the renewed mind rejoices in hope because of where hope is contributing to the needs of the saints practicing hospitality bless those who persecute you this is great i love this cuz he says it twice bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse it's like it's like he's thinking about someone who's who's going to like try to theologically twist this into like i'm going to like a backhanded blessing or something you know like bless those who persecute you yeah i'll bless them but i'll sneak in a curse he's like no bless and do not curse i don't know Why do you have to say that a second time? I don't know, there must be somebody wily in the congregation. But, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That is not the way of this age. We've been talking about loving our enemies here. More of the same, right here. This is the renewed mind. Loves the enemy. Blesses them. That can be something in prayer. You can ask a blessing. You can speak a blessing on someone. Speak good of them and to them. It can also be something practical. And we're going to see that in a minute. Talked with the weeping and the rejoicing. Right Again, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Oh, come on. That's not the way of this age. I don't want to associate with the lowly. They're a lot of work. They smell funny. They're not fun. They're just, you know, what makes me think I'm any better? Well, it's because I'm haughty, as it were. I'm proud. I'm arrogant. Well, maybe the cure for that is to associate with the lowly. To not be wise in your own estimation. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's not the way of this age. (laughs) That's not my way. I always think I know stuff. How often do we think, we look at a situation and we just say, well, I would do it this way. I would do it better. I would do it differently. If I was in charge. Political uh, criticism, anyone? Everyone, maybe, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, they should be doing it this way, obviously, because I know, don't be wise in your own estimation, and if possible, oh yeah, sorry, never pay back evil for evil to anyone, right? Come on, this doesn't need a lot of imagination. We know what the tendency is here. We want to fight back. Give people what they deserve. And who decides what they deserve? I do, because I'm wise. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. This is interesting, because the best, as best as I understand this, there's something here about custom, right? And we're going to see in, in chapter 13, um... You know, give everyone what they're due. Give custom to who is due custom, and and like respect what is right in the sight of all men. There's something here about if something is kind of common custom, this is what people generally observe as as right. Respect respect that, right? It's like um, I don't know. I was reprimanded by somebody a little while back about swearing. I swore, and. Uh, And I don't think that there's something inherently sinful about swearing. But if you're somewhere, and uh, this is custom, this is what is considered rude or polite, respect that. Respect what's right inside of all men. There's a certain amount of relativity. Morality? I'm not saying morality is relative, but I am going to tell you there are parts of morality that are relative, that are based on culture. Based on context, based on subculture, even. Respect what's right in the sight of all men. Respect your context, your culture. Obviously, insofar as it does not contradict what God says to do, right? That's the let's be let's be smart about that. Never take revenge, right? Oh, and if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, right? That's that's continuing that thought. Respect what's right in the sight of all men. Be at peace with people, insofar as it's up to you. Don't be argumentative. Don't be causing trouble. Never take your own revenge, guys. Come on, leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. Who are you to take revenge on anybody? It's not not your business. You're not the judge, right? Yeah, maybe somebody sinned against you, but guess what? If they sinned, they sinned against God first. You only get to be sinned against because God created you in the first place. God's the judge. Vengeance is mine, so don't take revenge. It's remarkably arrogant. Surprise, surprise, we're still unpacking humility. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, yes, and of course, more loving your enemy stuff I just accidentally skipped over. Right, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Awesome. Best response? You're pissed off? Come on. Love them. <laughs> That'll show them. <laughs> and seriously, it will though. Like, have you ever been loved by an enemy? Oh man. It hurts. <laughs> like, it really hurts. It's challenging. It, it, it drives you nuts. So, what's the best retaliation? Love someone. Be a, just be a stone in their shoe drive them a little bonkers and, and who knows they might even they might come around because of it it's actually Jesus this is this is um Jesus does uh, says a few things like this too right there there's this whole um like subversive non-resistance thing that he does it's like if someone tells you to walk a mile walk two with them instead that's um like the Roman soldiers could demand that you carry their pack for a mile they just come up to you and be like, you, carry my pack. Two miles would be too much. They, had, they were allowed to demand one mile out of you. So how do you mess with that guy? Carry it two miles. And he's like, whoa, what's going on here? Like I'm, I'm, I might get in trouble. <laughs> Can you set my pack down, please? Because I might get in trouble. You are carrying it too far. No, I'm good, sir. You're doing an act of kindness, and you are messing with their head. Uh, someone asks for your uh, your your garment. Give them or give your outer garment. Give them your shirt too. It's humiliating. They could demand a cloak from someone. It's like, all right, here, take my whole shirt. Now you're shirtless <laughs> in front of this person, and it's really weird. Like this is the kind of stuff Jesus was saying to do. It was it was it was go beyond, give more, love your enemy in such an outrageous and challenging way. <laughs> It's actually going to make them really uncomfortable. So, burning coals. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right? So that, again, not that's not the way. That's not the way of this age. The renewed mind just does good. Focuses on good. Non-retaliatory, right? Is that a word? Doesn't matter. Focuses on good. And I read in a chapter 13 here, too, because it's totally related. It can seem unrelated to us because we we think about, you know, these topics uh, in chapter 12 as like a morality thing, maybe. And then in chapter 13, we're like, okay, now Paul's talking about government. No. He's talking about the whole thing together because guess what? Their government was corrupt, wicked, anti-Christian, you know, telling you to worship Caesar minor point. And also they thought it was the end times. I've, I've heard people, and I'm not pointing any fingers, I actually don't remember who necessarily, some people I do, but doesn't matter. I've heard people, Christians, in the recent years, talk about why do we need to resist the government right now? And it's because of one or both of two things. One, they are corrupt, wicked, and anti-Christian. Or two, It's the end times. We're near the end. So it's time to stand up and resist. Well, guess what, everybody? Paul thought it was the end times real soon. And the government was corrupt and wicked. And he says, be in subjection to the governing authorities. So, I don't know, that rationale doesn't seem to really plug together here. It doesn't work. Um, Again, this doesn't mean... Just do whatever you're told without thinking about it ever. Follow Jesus first, follow God first. But the rebellious spirit, that's not what we're called to. That's actually the way of this age. The renewed mind submits. Wow, oh my goodness, guys, we're still unpacking humility. I did not realize. 13, it's still about humility. And and again, this goodness thing, right? Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. And now in chapter 13, we find out that the rulers are not cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do what is good, and you'll have praise. Just do what is good. If you're concerned with the government, just do what is good. If you're concerned about your enemies, just do what is good. Feed them. Right? And then, um, <laughs> yeah, then again, this comes to, and I, like I said, I didn't even realize this was going to be here, but, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. That is not the way of this age. Right? So we were talking in chapter 12, the the, the body being, I'm a member of you and you're a member of me. But now this this is the neighbor. So this is not just within the body of Christ. This goes beyond. I mean, it's already including the government, in effect. It's already been including our enemy, as we were kind of pointing that towards the end of chapter 12. That's the good. Paul is here defining what is good. Over the last couple of years, which have sucked in a lot of ways, I think most of us, or at least me, we're focused in a worldly way, in the way of this age. Me. What do I want? What works for me? What are my rights? What is my safety? What is a, you know, whether, it's just, I want people to do things the way that I'm doing it. I want everybody to be on board with my opinion. I know it's right. I am wise in my own estimation. Right? What if, in the last few years, the question we were all asking wasn't what works for me, what's good for me, what should the government be doing? These are all legitimate questions, but what if they weren't the ones we were asking? What if we were just asking, how do I love my neighbor? Today, this week, this month? It's gonna be different depending on the situation do what is right in the sight of all men. I was telling somebody the other day, we were reflecting on this, the pandemic stuff a bit, and I said, you know, I firmly believe that there were contexts throughout the, the height of the pandemic in which what love looked like was wearing a mask. And there were contexts in which what love looked like was not wearing a mask. How many people were arguing about masks? In an absolute sense, I was. What does it look like to love my neighbor? What does it look like to do what is right in the sight of all men? What does it look like to be humble and not wise in my own estimation? What does it look like to be focused on doing good, again, as defined by loving your neighbor? Because this is the law. Every commandment summed up in this, says Paul, and says Jesus, as we've been talking about for weeks. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. I love that. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. It's just, that's just a simple, basic fact, and it's profound. And we're often like, oh, I don't know, like, do I love these people? Do I love this person? Love, you know, what is love? I mean, I'm not sure if I feel well. It does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It's interpersonal, guys. It's just, it's about doing good. Again, it's just unpacking this good and evil thing and still kind of unpacking humility. Yeah, and all this All this, do this knowing the time. So this is part of what's on your mind as you're loving your neighbor, as you're trying to do what is good, as you're trying to submit to the governing authorities, as you're trying to humble yourself, as you're trying to to clue in with your renewed mind that, that you are a part of me and I'm a part of you. What else are you trying to keep on your mind? That... Uh, it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. In other words, Christ is coming back. Keep that in mind, as you're doing good, as you're understanding good in terms of loving your neighbor. Christ is coming back. Soon, says Paul. Well, he was a little, well, I mean, that's what he's thinking anyways. Sooner than when we first believed. That's always true. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and heavy drinking, not in sexual promiscuity and wantonness, not in strife and jealousy. I've, I don't know how many times I have heard this verse made 100% about sexuality. But notice what makes the list, guys. These these typical kind of moralistic issues we think of, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, yeah, they're on the list. They're definitely on the list. What else makes the list? Strife, and jealousy. Wow. I'm not sleeping around, but how am I doing with strife and jealousy? Again, let's throw back to what we've been, um, some of the verses we've been reading on repeat. Judge not, lest you be judged. Take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think that we love talking about sexual sin and partiers, you know, those partiers. And we don't like to pay attention to the fact that we are jealous and we are experiencing strife in the body of Christ as we are constantly judging each other, and we are not being devoted in brotherly love. Because, guys, looking at other people and thinking about what's wrong with them is being haughty in mind. And it's the way of the age. It's not the renewed mind. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just put him on. And make no provision for the flesh in regard to its desires. Some of you, if you're reading along, might have the word lusts, and often we read the word lust and we assume that it's sexual. The word is more neutral than that. The desires of the flesh are, guess what? The way of the age. All sorts of things. Your desire for power, your desire for wealth, your desire for sex. <laughs> your desire for... oh, I don't know, heck, it could be food. Um, it's an inordinate desire, the, the word here. It's, it's something that is not ordered, right? I mean, again, sex isn't a bad thing. How do you desire it? Is that desire in order? No provision for the flesh in regard to its desires. It's a bigger word than sexual lust. And of course, how are we doing that? We're putting on Christ. Again, this goes back to chapter 12, renewing our mind. Christ renews our mind. Submit to Christ. Put him on. Be devoted to prayer. And be devoted to each other. Start doing some of this stuff. And let Christ come in and do this work, and actually change your mind. Fun fact, repentance, in Greek, means to change your mind. Like, literally. That's all it is. Let Jesus transform your mind, and change your mind. Let him help you repent, and not be in the way of this age. Do things differently. And that doesn't mean look around and see what's cool in culture and do the opposite. It's a lot of humility. It's a lot of love. And it's a lot of actually putting the work in to figure what love might look like in this context and what it might mean to respect the cultural norms where I am, while also challenging those norms with the righteousness of Christ. It's not a cookie cutter solution. And it's not something you can just point to of your favorite verse in the Bible and proof text it and say this is how we got to do it 100% of the time all the time. It's engagement. Because that's devotion. So Lord have mercy on us. This is hard. God, thank you. Thank you for the amazing work that you have done for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for grafting us in to the promise of Israel for making us children of Abraham. God, help us never to take it for granted. Help us not to be arrogant about it. Help us not to be arrogant about our faith, which is a gift. Help us, Lord, to live humbly in humility, recognizing that everything we have, everything we're capable of is all a gift. Help us to function accordingly. Help us, Lord, not to hold back the gift you've given. And help us, Lord, not to, not to try to strive beyond it and make a name for ourselves. Help us, Lord, to not think highly of ourselves beyond what we ought to think. Help us, Lord, to figure out devotion, what it looks like to be devoted to prayer, what it looks like to be devoted to each other. Lord, come upon us and renew us. Show us what, just how, how, to, how to think and just start changing the way we think. Help us to see each other in the body of Christ as members of each other. Help us to recognize that we belong to other people and that they belong to us. That we are a part of them and they are a part of us. Help us to love that way. Lord, give us wisdom because we're not wise. Give us wisdom to try to, as, as we as we try to figure out what love looks like in each context. How to submit well while honoring you. I ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen.